Go ahead and have your seats. Thank you guys so much for, for doing that and indulging me uh, in that. I just want to read uh, two verses of the scripture, uh, Exodus chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to be in the context of verses 1 through 13, uh, but I just want to read verse 1 and 2 into your hearing, at least reiterate that into your hearing, and then uh, I have uh, a few things I want to share with us on today. Verse number 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. This month shall be your beginning of months. If you don't mind, just indulge me for a little bit. Look to the person next to you and just tell them, get ready. Get ready. Get, get ready. Yeah, no, no, serious. Look, look to them and tell them, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. The book of Exodus chapter 12, for the most part, is a text that relays an event that many of us know all too well. And while oftentimes we may not be always uh, in the know about the details, the minute details that we find within the confines of chapter number 12 particularly, uh, we know what's going on in the surrounding environment that has brought us to this point. For example, we know that it's the calm before the storm. We know nine plagues, if you have followed the progression of the time of Moses and Aaron coming into Egypt on God's behalf as ambassadors to God and on behalf of the people, you know the plea and the plight that they would have given Pharaoh the very first time that they encountered him, let my people go, thus saith the Lord. And as a result of, of Pharaoh not hearkening to the words of Almighty God through the voices of Moses and, of course, Aaron, his right-hand man, oftentimes God would initiate a series of lessons, a series of events, a series of plagues, all meant to break Egyptian resolve and to allow Pharaoh to hearken unto the words of Jehovah God. We know nine plagues have been performed by Jehovah at this point. We, we also know that Pharaoh still hasn't let the people of God go. We know there is an uneasiness because as you read the text... Uh, you, you recognize plague after plague, plague after plague. Pharaoh's heart is becoming harder and harder and harder. And, and he just continues to be more resistant to God's will, more resistant to God's way. And oftentimes even the children of Israel have found themselves in the midst of this battle between God, God of heaven and the God of the Egyptians. And so we know that there is a sense of uneasiness, a sense of uncertainty as to what would happen next. 
God has revealed his power. And I want to just park there for about 10 seconds because it's not as if they have not seen and witnessed the power of the God of heaven. But there is a sense of uncertainty as to what happens now. Plague number one did nothing. Plague number two did nothing. Plague number three, we have now made our way through nine, nine times the, the amount of plagues. And yet there seems to be no change to Pharaoh's heart. If anything, he has gotten a little bit more worse. So I need for you to understand that uh, the, the people, whether it was the Egyptians themselves, but more pertinently, I'm bringing into view the Israelite people, they, they recognize the power in the mighty hand of God, but the question still remains the same for people like you and me who trust in the living God. There are times when we are unsure, there are times when we are uncertain, and the question is still there to be answered, what's next? Have you ever been there when you wonder and you ponder what's next? What's next for me? What's next for my kids? What's next for my family? I'm going through a stage of life. I'm getting ready to transition from this profession I've been in for all my life, or at least for the majority of my life. What's next for me? And there seems to be a sense of uncertainty. And it was the exact same thing in the text. There was an uneasiness, but there was also a sense of uncertainty as to what was going to happen next. Here is what we also know. We know what was coming with the 10th plague. We have the benefit of looking back historically. And so when we get to this text, we understand already what's on the horizon. When you and I read this text, we understand what's coming. The ninth plague was, was dead and gone. The ninth plague was over. We know the 10th plague is coming. It's on the horizon. So when we get to, to, to the book of Exodus and we're in chapter number 12, we know what has brought us to this point. We know where we are, even though many of us may not necessarily always bring to mind the minute details. And I want to suggest to us, take the opportunity to read uh, more distinctly Exodus chapter number 12 because there are some details in that text that was valuable for then but is also invaluable for now. Because Exodus, I'll throw this in there, Exodus acts as a framework and a pattern even for New Testament Christians even on today. If we would see and we would recognize how God operated with them uh, in the Old Testament, we could also see that there is a pattern and there is a framework for us as well in the way that God deals with us and our several situations. So we know what was coming. We know what was on the horizon, contextually, if you don't mind. Contextually, as I deal specifically with some of the details in the text, this would be the night that the Passover meal, what became known as the Passover meal, was instituted. So every time the Jewish people would, 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 would have this uh, festive meal, this would be the night, this night here when, when, when God is, is sharing this information with Moses and Moses is sharing this information with people, this night here when they were still in Egypt, this would be the night that God instituted the Passover meal. This would be the last night that the children of Israel would spend in Egyptian servitude. If, if, if they came back into Egypt, and they did from time to time, if ever they went back into Egypt after this, it would not have been because of the same relationship that they had while they were in Egypt for over 300 years. And so this was the last night, say last night, 
This was the last night that they would spend in Egyptian servitude. I, I, I don't want to start to read and spell things, but I, I hope some of this begins to sit into your spirit because when God is ready to move, he, I, I want you to know when he moves you from a place, this would be the last day that you spend in this space. You might be struggling with some things. You might be in an environment. You might be in a place of bondage. But when God is getting ready to move in your life, today might be the day that, is, that represents the last day of you being here. Today could very well be the last day of the day that you suffer with your depression. Today could be the last day that you suffer with your anxiety. Today could be the last day that you suffer from the, 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 the plague of a broken heartedness and broken homes. You could be a person that breaks the cycle. Today could be the day of your deliverance. So this represents the last night Ultimately, even the last day that the children of Israel would spend in Egyptian servitude. I'm just trying to give you context. This would be the night that God would break the enemy's resolve while preparing to lead his people into freedom and to promise. This would be the night that they would remember the awesomeness of Yahweh. This would be the night that they would teach their children and their children's children about. This would be the night that Jehovah brings things new for each and every single one of them. God is about to do a new thing for them. Take them to a new place. Establish a new covenant. Give them new experiences. And he's going to start in making things new, even though they haven't changed as yet their geographical location. And so this would be the night in Exodus chapter number 12 that God is intent on doing a new thing with, through, and for his people. But he tells them in Exodus 12, get ready. He tells them, get ready to move. I could take you out and I will take you out, but I want you to be prepared for when you step out. We all want deliverance from one thing or another, but are we prepared for when deliverance comes? Because God could take us out of our several situations, but are you prepared to walk in the freedom that God is preparing to give to you and to give to me? We are a people that often want, but are we prepared to handle the blessing that God offers to us. And so he tells them, get ready. When God is getting ready to move you from where you are and move me from where I am, here are four critical areas that I want us to consider in terms of preparation. I'm going to list these. I really don't have time. I'm going to list these and hopefully these would sit into your spirit. As we look at Exodus chapter number 12, here are four critical areas that God wants them to consider in preparation. Number one, he says to them, get ready to offer your sacrifice, praise, and worship. 
before you step foot out of your circumstance, before you step foot out of your situation, before the thing turns around, I want you to be prepared to worship. Notice in the text, before they even encounter the death angel, God prepares them for what they would encounter. And in God preparing them for what they would encounter, notice in the text, if you, if you recognize really well, what he's doing is he's giving them instructions towards offering a sacrifice. I've told you in the past, and I don't have time to go through all the details of it today and this morning right now, but I've told you in the past, from an Old Testament standpoint, sacrifice is equatable to... I don't have a class. <laughs> Mason, let me help you see this. Among the Old Testament times, I'm doing this contextually, sacrifice was equatable to worship. Say worship. Now come close, come close. So let, let's help everybody. In the Old Testament times, come close. I'm not going to beat you, bro, I promise. <laughs> In the Old Testament times, sacrifice was equatable to? Worship. Preach to the people. Sacrifice was equatable to? Worship. All right, everybody, sacrifice was equatable to? Worship, right? And so notice in the text, they haven't moved yet outside of their servitude, but God is preparing them mentally. He's preparing them emotionally. He's preparing them spiritually for a move he is getting ready to make that they have yet to receive or to enter foot, step foot into. In other words, when God says, listen, I, I'm getting ready to move you. I need for you to learn to praise me in the midst of the night, in the midst of the storm, in the middle of your... We need to learn to, to fast in the lion's den. We, we, we need to learn to, to sleep in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm. We, we, we need to learn to dance. And I don't want to dance because some of you might have a problem with... We need to learn to dance in the fire. So God is saying, I need to prepare you because I know what I have in store for you. It's right there on the horizon. You may not be able to see it yet, but I want to prepare you in terms of, I need for you to start learning what it means to worship. Say worship. So God says to them, number one, when you're preparing for a move, you might be in your situation, you might be in your struggle, you might be in your servitude, you might be in your space that you want to get out of, but before God moves you, you and I better learn what it means to worship. We need to praise God as if this thing is already done. You, 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 you ever go to a job interview and you, you, know, you, you went in with full confidence as if you were already walking into a space that you were going to be walking in the next Monday? That's what I'm talking about. You, 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 have to, you have to learn to worship God as if the thing is already done. You, you have to be able to worship God for, for what you have yet to see, the, the very thought and in the intent of your heart, the desires of your heart. You got to learn to worship God as if this thing is already present in your life. So he tells them, get ready. Say, get ready. He says, get ready to learn what it means to offer your sacrifice, your worship, and even your praise. Number two, he tells them, get ready in establishing your covering. Say covering. I know that's not a word that's often used and typically used in our fellowship, covering, right? Uh, there, there are several shades of what that word and that phrase, that, that term really means. But in this text, notice, it, it says that when they were to kill the lamb, uh, they were to take the blood 
And when they took the blood, it said that they were to, to place it on the lintel and the doorpost. Don't miss it. When you kill the lamb, when you've offered your sacrifice, when you've offered your worship, when you've offered your tribute, take from the tribute and have a covering. Have the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel. He says, you have to learn, apart from your worship, you have to learn to dwell under your covering. And I, I know, I know, I know, I, I know this is some, some geographical stuff and ultimately they would leave the house, but this is really symbolic in nature for us. But really on the day it was literal because guess what the Lord would say to Moses and Moses would say to the people. Moses would say to the people when the death angel comes, Emily, and, and he sees the blood. He says, I will pass through the land, but when the death angel passes through the land and he sees, he says, I am going to pass through the land and I will bring judgment. He says, but when I pass through the land, I will look, I will see the blood and I will pass over you. You, you have to learn to worship, but you also have to learn to dwell in and under your covering. So it's, it's, it's one thing to to come and offer praise. It's one thing to worship God. It's a next thing to dwell under the protection, dwell under the blood, live in the space of the covering of Jesus Christ. Uh, too many times in, in Christendom, I, I don't just mean to talk to Antioch, but I want to talk to Christendom. Too many times our worship is centered on Sunday, and as soon as Sunday is done, we walk straight out past our covering. But guess what? This covering of this blood is supposed to be with us on Sunday. We're supposed to have the blood on the doorposts of our lives on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. We are supposed to be dwelling under the covering covering of the blood so he says get ready say get ready get ready in establishing your covering for both you and your entire household could I speak to the men for a little bit could I take like just eight seconds to do this guys it's it's so important that us as men us as the head of our households not only provide physically for our families, but we need to be able to provide emotionally. We need, and I, I'm beating myself up on this because this is something I'm learning. You see that emotional component, Todd? I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as I need to be when it comes to, to my spouse. I'm a, I'm a lot better when it comes to helping other people uh, uh, in their emotional distress, but there's something about how a spouse deals with his spouse sometimes that we could deal with other people better than the way that we deal. I hope am, am i am i in this alone sometimes that we sometimes we feel like we, we could offer better emotional support and we we we, we have more emotional uh, uh longitude we have more emotional latitude for other people and sometimes our very own spouses that goes for both male and female by the way but as the leader of the household as the man in the home i need to be able to provide not only physically i need to also be able to provide emotional support but guess check this I need to be able to lead my family in spiritual things. And more often than not, they flip the script because we know how to very well deal with the physical taking care of the home. But when it comes to leading the home 
from a spiritual standpoint, that's oftentimes where the mark is missed. But we need to be ready, say ready, in establishing our covering, both for ourselves and our household. Watch it, I'm almost done. Number three says, get ready in preparation for your journey. You've heard me say this before. My, my grandmother often used to say, don't pray for rain and not walk with an umbrella. In other words, if you believe God is going to do it, dress and act as if the thing is already done. In as much as they were supposed to eat this meal and put the, 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 the blood on the doorpost, here is what he tells me. He says, I want you to eat this meal with your buckle tightened, with your feet, your, 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 your shoes or sandals on your feet. In other words, I want you to eat this as if as soon as you are done eating it, it's time to move. There is a sense of anticipation in the eating of the meal and the way that they gird themselves is an indication of preparation for actually leaving this place where you are right after. And so we need to be the type of people, I know many of us, and I must say this, can I just say this, can I, can I, can I say this without, without calling names? I'm so proud, I'm so proud of, of many of you who I've been walking alongside and I've been privileged, you've come and you've, you've asked me to walk alongside you with, with your several issues. Some of you have had marital issues, some of you have had mental issues, some of you uh, have been struggling with, with personal trauma, etc., etc. And it's been a dark place for some time, but as we've stepped in over these past few months, as we've transitioned from 2023 into 2024, I see many of you, and it's, it's not the same dark place that you were earlier in last year. I see people who are more hopeful. I, I see people who are more trusting. Your situation may not have necessarily changed, but your mentality has, and I see a joy. I see a light. I see people who have girded themselves because they know that God is ready to do something in them, for them, and through them. Now, I want to commend all of you that have shifted your focus, not to looking at where you are, but looking at where God is trying to take you, looking at what God is trying to do through you. So he says, we need to be ready, say ready, in preparation for our journey. And finally, he says, get ready and be willing to tell your story. If you, if you didn't notice, this is... This is the gospel that was being preached in Old Testament times. Because there is a sacrifice that was made. There was a covering that was offered. There was a preparation and a journey to be had. But also there is a story to be told. And so part of the, the reading, Moses would tell the children of that every single time you partake from this point on of this Passover and, and generations come and your children and their children after them, he says, when you partake of this meal, you are going to have the opportunity to sit with them and to explain with them what this meal means. And so we need to be ready. Say ready to tell the story. We need to be people who are always ready to witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, and I don't want to sound like a, 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 broken, a, broken, uh, a, a broken radio right now, but, but for all of us, we, we all have a testimony, right? We all have a story, right? We all have a witness, right? We've all had an encounter, right? 
And so we need to be willing and ready to tell the story of how God did it for you. You need to be willing to be open to sharing the story of how God did it for your family, how God did it for your mother, how God did it for your father, how God did it for your spouse, how God did it for you on your job, how God did it for you in your, in, in your marriage. We need to be willing to talk about the story, about how God changed things around. And he placed you on solid ground. So as I conclude, watch this. God told them this month shall be the beginning of your month. It sounds crazy what I'm about to say, but regardless of whether we are in January or we're in September, God might be getting ready to start a new season in your life. And if that doesn't kind of get you going, here is what Jeremiah says. In the book of Je in Lamentations chapter number 3, here is, here is what Jeremiah recalls. And Jeremiah in chapter 3, he talks as if this is very much uh, an individualistic personal encounter that he had. But he's relating his thoughts of agony and pain and distress uh, from a personal standpoint, but it's reflective of a nationalistic type of pain and anguish as he thinks about the exile. But as he makes his way down, he says, in verse number 20, my soul stills re still remembers the pain. My soul still remembers the agony. My soul still sinks when I think about the anguish. He says this, in verse number 21, I recall to my mind, therefore, here is why I have hope. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed. Because his compassion never fails. Don't miss it. Through the Lord's mercy, you and I aren't consumed. It says because his compassion never fails. Watch it. It says they are new every morning. So he utters the words, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord, therefore, is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Church, God does not only make our new seasons. He does not only give us new beginnings in the middle of a bad year. But according to Jeremiah, his mercies are renewed daily with every single morning. Your season may not have changed, but if God blesses you to see a new day, he's given you a new beginning. The year may not have started off well, but if God has blessed you to see a new day, he's given you a chance at a new beginning. We would get to September, October, November, and this year might very well go down the tubes for some of us. But guess what? God, every single day that we are blessed to have life, he's giving us an opportunity at a new beginning. So get ready. Say get ready. Could you stand with me? I'm done. Say get ready. One more time. Say get ready. Get ready, church, to move. Because as much as weeping may endure for a night, Scripture says joy, right? Joy, right? Joy comes when? Ah. Uh -huh.